Welcome to We're All Gonna Die and Other Fun Facts, a semi-regular or not at all regular or this thing never happens. <laughs> this is gonna show up on people's like iPod, you know, uh, podcast subscriptions. Like, wait, what? They still exist? This is in there? Yeah, uh, occasionally. It's, I'm a busy guy, folks. Occasionally amusing and rarely funny series of conversations on a topic. This episode is entitled Rust Belt Resurrections, and it is about our old friend of the podcast, Jason Baldinger's, the sort of Paul Lind of, or, or the Tony Randall, or who was it, who was always on The Tonight Show when they didn't have anybody to be on The Tonight Show. That was Paul Lind. Yeah, they just called Paul Lind, and Paul Lind was like funny and amazing and always, or whatever. It's always easy to find Paul Lind. And it's always easy to find Jason Baldinger, because Jason Baldinger is so prolific. In 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 poetry, but then also there's there's a new form, there's a new artistic <laughs> form that we're going to talk about, and it's a, you know so we're going to talk about Jason Baldinger's book Lazarus, and the well the book that accompanies the photograph phot photography exhibition at the Osage Arts Community Gallery in Bell, Missouri. Yes, and we'll have details. Uh, if you happen to be somehow near Bell, Missouri. Well, you have friends in Bell. You I have do have friends, friends in that Bell. community. They might yeah, listen yeah. to this podcast. They might know, not know fair. yet. <laughs> or, you know. I, I, I hope there are people in Missouri who are listening to this podcast. Yes! You know, I, yeah. <laughs> if I posted enough, I'd get one of those Spotify makeups. Somehow we're big in New Zealand. All right. Well. By big in New Zealand, there's like four people who listen in New Zealand. So, hey. Hey, New Zealand. Hey, New Zealand. Uh, we're happy to be back. And maybe there'll be some more episodes this year. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. You got any more books coming out? Yes. Um, yes and so our episode, <laughs> our, our guest for this episode is somebody who knows about uh, Jason Baldinger's book and art uh, ex exhibit, photography exhibit named Lazarus. It's actually Jason Baldinger, actually. I, I think I am. You think you are. Do we ever really... I, I'm not 100% sure under most circumstances anymore. But I'm pretty sure I might be Jason Baldinger. I think I think you are. I think you seem, you seem like a Jason Baldinger. I mean, as I float through the timelines, I keep ending up in this form. So yes. it seems like I'm somehow attached to it. Yes, of all the Jason Baldingers, you are the Jason Baldingeriest. I hope so. Yes. Jesus, if there's a more Jason Baldinger me, what the fuck? Yeah, that'd be bad. I, I yeah. <laughs> we used to have someone in the, the department who taught part time. I, I actually I live with this fear. My name being my name, uh, uh, I live with this fear. We had somebody in the department named Philip Anselmo. Okay. Oh. <laughs> and of all the people. If your name's Philip Anselmo, you you're you're the Philip Anselmo, except when you're not the Philip Anselmo, you know. Yeah. yeah. And and how easy. do you deal with that? So I uh, I fear that like somehow at some point there'll be a famous Matthew Usia well, there, in there, the world, and that would kind of fuck me up a little bit. But there is not a famous Jason Baldinger, as far as I know. You are the most famous Jason Baldinger. I am the the other there. There's a real estate agent. And a uh, guy, a Florida man, who has a, a criminal record. Nice. Those are the two other Jason Baldingers that I know of. The only other Baldinger that outshadows me at this moment is my cousin Brian, who does uh, a football commentary for Fox and played center for the Cowboys back in the 80s. So. Oh. 
There you go. There you go. Obscure information. That is wonderful. I've known you for how long and did not know that. Oh, you didn't know we also, up until the Watt brothers, and maybe someone else, but there, there, there were three Baldinger brothers who played on the same uh, sports team in 1988. They were the first to, to set that lofty standard. So, Wow. Uh, two special teams uh, cousins, too. Uh, uh, Buffalo and then Kansas City. So they got their rings in Buffalo, I think their Super Bowl rings. Even though they never won a Super Bowl in Buffalo. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've never met those folks or haven't met them or seen them in 20 plus years, but that's okay. That's okay. Maybe they're listening to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, they can if they want. So, yeah, um, let's talk about this collection of yes. photographs, which is a new form, which is, you know, we've done visual art on the podcast before. Okay. So there'll be no readings, but... Uh, can I just say, so I sat down with the, you said you shared with me a PDF and prepping for this, I sat down with the book last night okay. and I had seen some of the images from before from your Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, and one thing that really struck me was the overwhelming feeling that my life was slipping away as I was scrolling through. <laughs> uh, yes, I, get, I can understand that. Um, yeah. There's a sense of abandonment to the book, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but being that the photos are taken mostly not in major cities... Um, mostly in small towns that uh, the better days have passed or uh, once industrial cities that have shrunk to such levels that they no longer exist as a city. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that probably is um, why you might feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. And thinking about what this city used to look like what Pittsburgh used to mm -hmm. look like and used to be and what my youth of visiting grandma in Johnstown was like yes I do have this sort of emotional bond to those types of spaces me too I mean growing up in the early mid 80s or, or you know gaining consciousness of what's going on around you in the early mid 80s there was no way not to notice that around here. Uh, so it certainly made an impression on me. I, it makes sense that it would stamp on you if you were in Johnstown, which was like the armpit of the earth at that moment. So Yeah, yeah. there was one quarter in 1984 where Johnstown had 25% unemployment. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it still hasn't come back. And it's never going to come back. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, you know, because of family, we we visit Johnstown at least usually every six months. There's mm -hmm. a reason to go to Johnstown, and uh, buildings just disappear. Yes. Um, there's a, I, I probably, I'll show it to you afterwards. There's a photo I took in East Connemaw, where on the main street, there's a uh, building that is now collapsing, but the entire block is starting to sinkhole because of it so they're now trying to like bail everything else out around it so the block is pretty much shut off but the laundromat has a sign in the window painted you know across the window 
It's just like, bear with us. Uh, we're trying to get safe or something like that. I'll have to. I actually, if you talk for a second, I'll find the photo. Wow. Yeah, because I, you know, I, we are not very good in this country at preserving our history, preserving our architecture. We bury our dead, but we leave our buildings to rot. Yes, and you know there was actually something in architecture. We were watching like some architectural digest <laughs> YouTube video yesterday. And they were talking about this like Civil War era house in in New Orleans that had been gutted. Okay. And uh, they were still working on it. Like the outside was nice, and they were you know this is I think it was somebody had bought it to restore it. Okay. And had kind of run out of money, but there were like the exposed studs and the joists and all of it and the woodwork. And even just talking about like the difference between old wood and new wood, like the wood you use to build now versus the yeah. old forest, old growth timbers that would have been used to make that sort of house. And she just kind of had this throwaway line is like, this was a middle class house. Yeah. Yet it was this ornate. It was this well built. It used this quality materials. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, even I wonder what a middle class new home now, like what kind of future does that really have in future generations? Is somebody going to look at a McMansion in 150 years and is it still going to be able to be even standing? You know, thinking about that and that. That's probably what's the most interesting is what happens when the Ryan homes start falling in on themselves because they weren't meant to last. No, they were not. <laughs> yeah. And yet along the way we, we trash mm -hmm. or let rot all of these treasures you know and I think about that and I think about you know for me that you know these pictures as I look at them as I look at all a lot of it is old Main Street USA mm -hmm. which died at the hands of the shopping mall which the shopping mall died at the hands of Amazon yeah so you're just watching different iterations eat the past yes and it leaves you with no root and no sense of anything. Yeah, which I find that when I look at those places and drive through those towns and look at that building that... Well, it's flyover country to most of the rest of the country. You yeah. Know? Uh, nobody pays attention. Why would you drive through Johnstown unless you have a reason to? Yeah. So um, so the, the, the laundromat sign in East Conema, uh, panel one of the window... What defines us is how well we rise after falling, and then in completely different font on the next window, closed due to surrounding safety issues. <laughs> Let you look at that real wow. <laughs> wow. But it's a block, and it's probably going to be gone at some point in time. Yeah, it's all going to be gone. Um, and, I, and I think about how, you know... Within Main Street USA, I think that it's a lot for me. There's like the loss of the sense of community mm -hmm. that in Main Street USA there would at least be. While it's commerce, there's still community. Yeah, there was small business. Of, you know, and you see that in the areas that are thriving, there are still some small businesses or a local brewery or yeah. something that's drawing people back in. But unless you open up to immigrants, which would solve the problem, or raise it and make it into a park or something what other options do you have yeah you know 
I understand not wanting to displace people, but there comes a point in time where it's like, why does this place exist if yeah. it's not serving anybody yeah. in a positive way? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing is, you know, I, I guess the actual technical sociological term is Camdenification. Okay. After Camden, New Jersey, which is the idea of a community... Oh. It was it was in one of my friend one of my room, college roommates textbooks Camdenification and I looked in the glossary and it said it's this, this is the term for urban decay to the point of no return named after Camden New Jersey makes perfect sense Camden was one of the the first towns that I became kind of infatuated with in that respect for that reason because you would drive through Camden and it would just be like what is this how it, how does this exist now it's East Cleveland Detroit you know consists of it. All the parts of it are coming back. You can yeah. never fully, you know, Braddock is another example of that on a smaller scale. Yeah. Too, so, um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about what that event horizon is for a community and for a building that mm -hmm. is so far gone, there's nothing you can do anymore. I mean, to preserve it or to keep it, and how all of that slips away. Yes. The, the one hope that you seem to have is. There are people that either grow up in these areas or return to them or come to them through college or something else and fall in love with it and decide that they're going to stay and fight that brain drain that's been going on for so long. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at a certain point in time, yeah, you, you look at these cities, though, and how do they come back even with that? You don't have enough. No, I, you know, the, the thing in this... You know, thinking about having friends and family in the Johnstown area, I mean, one of the things that keeps coming up is when people went remote and people went pandemic, you know, people moved to... There are some people who did move mm -hmm. because, you know, with the internet, work is everywhere. Right. Um, just because this idea of either A, I could just have a lot more living space for less money... Or be this real, like, I need to get out of the city, I need to get away from other people. Yeah. Which, for me, is, like, part of it is a lot of that impulse is, are you really going to then build a community around people who don't want to be around other people? No, it's a... It's a <laughs> you know, which is, plenty of those people who still lay, live there are people who don't want to be around other people. Right. And, but yeah, that, yeah, I don't know what you do with that, and it's amazing, I will look... It's amazing how many of those pandemic houses are already back on the market. Yeah. Well, why would you move to Boise, Idaho? I, Boise, Idaho was one of the hot spots yeah. at that time. Uh, and, and nothing against Boise, Idaho. I've been there. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> no offense, Boise. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I also didn't see much of Boise, Idaho. Maybe I saw a little more Twin Falls than Boise. Mmm. <laughs> So at least has a built a spill song named after it, but, yeah. but yeah, I, I, you know, there is that, and like you, see, you hit the nail on the head. Also, it's like you know those people don't want immigration. I mean, there's a, there's a huge sort of rhetoric in Johnstown mm -hmm. and in the Johnstown kind of community. Uh, I mean, you just see it even on like the WJAC page on Facebook. They want to be the first area in the country if not the world to have a major rebound pop major population rebound without immigration this is not possible you it, it doesn't yeah. add up 
it doesn't add up and it doesn't add up that the new sort of wealthy the wealth generating industries and jobs are really not segregatable anymore no it's not. you know if you're going to put a company in Johnstown and you want the best talent you mean you have to be in a place where you know a biracial gay couple would be happy and safe to live and you're definitely not getting that in Johnstown yet <laughs> yeah I was just trying to think I, I, they did just open a brewery so they did just open a brewery there's a brewery there's at least one fancy restaurant there's a fancy uh, bakery yeah. it's moving into a bigger space but yeah, I mean, I I was just there two weekends ago, and on a Sunday, there's still very few people in Johnstown. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, well, even beyond that, I you know I went up to we went up to Glendale Lake on Sunday, hmm. and there was a dude in a three percenter T-shirt hanging out, like that you could be in public, <laughs> repping the three percenters and not feel self-conscious or not feel scared or not feel whatever you could just go fishing in your three percenter shirt wow well yeah. i mean i guess that's being casual yeah i know <laughs> yeah i mean so it's like it, it like that so those feelings too of like also in in some ways i can think of myself when I see that stuff and I see those comments on the JAC thing, it's like, yeah, you know, fuck Johnstown. Yeah. No, fuck don't... Johnstown. Fuck them. And, yeah. and in the same breath, that is the, the world of my grandparents. I mean, that's part of it, I think, is the world of my grandparents is disappearing. Yeah. In your book. And, the, yeah, the history and everything that goes with it, just poof. Yeah. And that also those places back in their day were just nicer looking. Well, yeah, I mean there there was places something. that were just amazing architecture and amazing, you know, maybe architecture on a humane human scale. Mm -hmm. The idea of a walkable community and all of that. Not possible. Not possible. Point. I mean, just hopefully we're moving back towards that to some extent, but to reverse engineer this. <laughs> Leviathan is not going to be easy by any stretch of the yeah. imagination, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, so places like Johnstown, but yeah, I mean, I over the last handful of years doing the back and forth between here and Missouri regularly, I've had a chance to stop throughout the Midwest and see even more examples of these towns that once were affluent grain towns or affluent whatever and now that they made something there there was something that was made there um with build back better i know we're starting to build things here again but how long is that going to take before we actually legitimately build things here and, and yeah. can create middle class jobs again and is our ruling class really convinced yeah build back better is, is happening <laughs> Or is worth it. Yeah, exactly. Because it's really about what the ruling class wants and what the ruling class believes is. And they get what, anything they want. Yes. Yeah, so and we're left to steal the crumbs. Yes. Or take pictures of the rot. Yes, which you did masterfully. I mean, so what... <laughs> Excuse me. The other things I think is fascinating, so these are all black and white images. Yes. Which also... Uh, Enhances their sense of pastness that I was feeling, but also 
the use of reflection. Yes. In in these photographs, which I think is is something that we should talk about or we should address, or because it's, it's such an important element in yes. in reflection, but not reflections of you. No. I'm trying to stay out. I mean, I, I do end up in more than a fair share of photos, although I do my best to edit as much of me out as possible. Uh, occasionally. Yeah. I'll keep myself in there, but uh, as I get better at moving around windows, I'm becoming a bit of a peeping Tom, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> not, not in the way that you think. Uh, but yeah, because... Uh, the reflection photos started catching more interest from people. I got more interested in how to do them, so I, I'm creating, yeah. you know, a form in that respect. Uh, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, which I mean, I think for for folks at home, should explain like in some cases they almost they look like double exposures, double, triple, cases. quadruple, depending yeah. uh, on the the situation, uh, depending on how many panes of glass or. What way I'm hitting a street, yes. Yes, and the way the sunlight is hitting that glass. Mm -hmm. and, and all of that, and taking all that into account, also gives the poems this... I mean, you know, it's a layering of images, but also, I think, is this, for me, layering of the sort of my emotional response mm -hmm. to the pieces because of... There is this sort of ethereal, liminal quality to... Right to these images which is also part of my you know feeling of you know <laughs> looking at Lazarus and feeling like life is slipping away or at least it's all just draining slowly out yeah um, yeah I, I I think those started accidentally for me you know I started taking those pictures and then find you know like I'd find things in them and when I did the edits I, I would see things start popping out and then I kind of got interested and obsessed with how light reflects or refracts off things and what you can do with that. And, uh, yeah, when you can hit, like, three or four window panes at once and get, like, four quadrants doing four completely different things somehow, uh, it, it, it really is fascinating. <laughs> that is fascinating. Now, do you ever get... I, this only... Ha back when I had crap cam, this only happened to me once. Mm -hmm. But if you had people come and say, what are you doing over there? Or are these places just so, at this point, so abandoned? I, I honestly, uh, because I'm taking pictures with a cell phone, I don't think anybody thinks anything of it anymore. Mm. Because everybody is on their fucking cell phone all the damn time. I'm yeah. just the product of another person on their cell phone on a main street. Yeah. Now, admittingly, there's also not a lot of people around. Yeah, uh, and I have had people ask me what I'm doing or why I'm doing it, but it's very infrequent. Uh, mostly, I just wander around and I get to do whatever I want. But nice. I'm in a lot of towns where there really isn't that many people. Even you know, if you're thinking of like Moundsville, West Virginia, yeah. on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock, it's it's somewhat weird that there's nobody in town or East Liverpool, Ohio. Yeah, East Liverpool, something else. Yes, East Liverpool, Steubenville, Steubenville. Um, though I guess Steubenville. I mean Steubenville. I you know I've had limited Steubenville experiences, but I've never felt safe in Steubenville. 
I I don't feel unsafe in Steubenville, but um, what I find in that stretch, particularly from Moundsville up to Akron, Steubenville, but we can go with that, or Youngstown. Let's go with Youngstown. Yeah. Um, I can't spend a lot of time there anymore. I have to get in and get out. Or I can only do one city at a time, you know, for a couple of hours, and then I got to go. It, the 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 neglect that the Ohio River Valley shows up the Panhandle and into the uh, the, the uh, far uh, eastern portion of uh, of Ohio itself is it's now so endemic that it's just hard to even rationalize to me. You know, like, I've watched it slipping away for yeah. 25 years, but we've now reached this point where even the people there know they're abandoned. Um, which then yep. feeds the, how did we get to this place in America? Yeah. You know, um, I guess I hadn't thought of it, you know, for years, and, and I, I know we've talked about this with poetry, uh, on this podcast at different times where it's like you're, you're trying to figure out how we get to this place and then you read through the poems and you're like this, this is how we got here you know when yeah. you look through the pictures in the book this is how we get to that place where you know you have rural America so abandoned that no one even knows how to reach out anymore and deal with it yeah um, and in those post-industrial or decrepit industrial towns here in the Rust Belt. I mean, there there's no services even left. I mean, Youngstown, Ohio, they don't stop at red lights anymore. Nobody stops at red lights. It's <laughs> yeah. not downtown anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. Which um, I mean, actually, well, there was a brief period uh, where one of the local unions was sniffing around. Uh, a, 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 Somewhere in Young, something in Youngstown. I probably mm-hmm. shouldn't say what or who, um, but uh, it was wild because people were saying, you know, a the one light at the hospital definitely don't stop at the mm-hmm. red light. I mean, that the police were saying don't do that. Yeah, literally, the police were saying don't stop. Just at don't the red stop at that light. Don't stop at that light. But uh, a friend of mine was doing, you know, community organizing, and there was a church that got involved. It was like, hey, we are, we'll, we'll offer up meeting space. Just don't park on the other side of the street. You'll get shot. People get shot on the other side of the street. But if you park on this side of the street, you'll be fine. And my friend was sort of like, how does that work? I mean, bullets can cross the street. People with bullets can cross the street. They're like, don't worry about it. If you're parked on this side of the street you're safe the other side of the streets where the problem is and so it's like the absurdity of it yeah is and you also get that you know there is the mark fisher the weird and the eerie the idea of the you know what's what makes something truly eerie is the either you know people where there's not supposed to be people Mm -hmm. the lone voice in the woods or no people where they're supposed to be people, which is for me downtown Youngstown. On any given day. On any given day. But I guess for me, like downtown Steubenville is both. Like there's not supposed to be people, but then the people, and that's really creepy. Well, with Youngstown, you have the California PA thing where there's a university 
and yeah. the university attached, and the town doesn't really exist that's attached to it. Yes. You know, whereas Steubenville has none of that. None of that. Well, there is the university. There is, yes, the, there is the, 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 that, that, which is its own problematic. Yeah, I, um, I can't In the era that. of the, you know, Netflix sex cult docuseries, <laughs> someone has to make it about that university in Steubenville at some point. I mean, there's, there's enough blogs, enough victims coming out. Oh, shit. I haven't heard any of this. Yeah, story. it's, well, you know, I'm some St. Francis guy. It's the same order, okay. But it's sort of like, not that the guys in Loretto are very progressive, though right. there are a few. But they're mostly sort of like Fox News watching mm. era level of conservative, and they some of them think that the people in Steubenville are insane. <laughs> Steubenville's off the deep end. I guess there's like people over there who are willing to talk schism and like should found their own version of Catholicism because. Francis isn't a legitimate pope, but there's also but, weird stories of abuse and weird stories of high degrees of control and shunning and uh, exorcisms and things that are sort of trickling out online. At some point, Netflix has to make that docu-series, I would well, think. I, I'm sure it's coming. But I've been told also that at least in some cases, students are told not to go off campus at night because it's Steubenville. This doesn't well. Where where is there to go? Where would there be? Yeah, where would there be to go? But, um, yeah, you know, like me and a buddy hit. We're hitting thrift stores a few months ago, and Steubenville was always part of a run that included a few other places: East Liverpool and Wheeling, yeah. um, and. It's just, I mean, it's not Jeanette bleak, but it's it's a, it's a different kind of bleak, you know. It is a different kind of bleak. It's an older bleak. It's a more decayed bleak. Right. There's not, you know, quarter expired bread for sale in the thrift store. Mm. There, although there probably should be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think you know. You said I want to circle back to you said about how this sort of was an accident, or it, it's sort of something you slid into, but. Yeah. I, I I'll talk about like the recording angel impulse of the poet mm. and how how some of that like sort of that same impulse that makes sense makes sense to do f the photography is almost a natural extension of that impulse well, you're, you're, or a different kind of expression of that impulse you're you're, you're still expressing expressing an image yeah uh, and preserving an image yes. Whether it be in word, <coughs> you know, in celluloid of some sort, or digital now, um, you know, I I was never for all the traveling and wandering that I've done over the years. I was always too impatient and moving too quickly to take photos, uh, much as at the behest of. Everybody, they're like, you go to these places, we should see what they are. I, you know, I yeah. tell all these stories about them, you know. And it wasn't until five or six years ago that I started to slow down enough to take pictures in places as I was going, and then the the bug catches, 
you know, it's like, oh, what are we taking pictures of? So you're, you're building the language, and then you have an accident like that that shows up where with the reflection. I don't even know what the first reflection photo I took was, mm. you know, and then, you know, as a, a writer, understanding editing being important to the process, then you start messing with the photo to bring out what may or may not have been there, you know. There's a lot of things in these photos that I did not see, you know. Mm. There's something that drew me, in, uh, you know, uh, to it, you know, but there's other things that just pop up in them that it's just like, I didn't even know that was there. Until, wow. you know, I, I started messing with it, so. Wow. Um, so, one, you know, between the slowing things down and then the catching, you know, of the reflection as an accident and then finding that it actually really suited me, you know, as a format. Uh, yeah, it, it's all been a very rapid process in that, you know. Um starting things late you already have sort of a sense of what you're doing and you're just trying to like fill in the, the blanks or the lexicon that you're working with at that yeah. point so um yeah so all of this is is relatively new and then you have the the side note of late stage capitalism that i've been fighting even though i keep getting people tell me how much they love photos and they want to buy photos you know like i've i've monetized every hobby <laughs> Yeah, over the years, and this was like the last thing I was holding on to. It's like hobby, 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 and it's like well, you no. know, you can always. There's always, <laughs> there's always more hobbies. Yeah, I, I have to find another hobby. Something strictly non-commercial. <laughs> I'm just gonna go build puzzles. Yeah, <laughs> in a dark room somewhere. <laughs> um. Anyway, um. Yeah, that's what led me here, slowly. The short version of it, anyway. But yeah, uh, now, because of that, this is why I mentioned that I become a peeping Tom, because I get really interested. And I'm in mostly abandoned spaces. I'm not trying to look in people's windows if they're living there. But yeah. you, 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 know, you see a space that looks abandoned, you see a window, and you're just like, well, what's in there now? What can I see if I look in there? And yeah. then you're rewarded with weird shit. You know, like there's a photo that I took in Kentucky that's like seven taxidermied animal heads laying in different spaces next to like two refrigerators and a couch. Wow. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I would not have found that any other way. You could not have found that unless you looked in this door in a little alcove of an alley in a town in northern Kentucky. Wow. So, it's also yeah. flyover country. Again, we're not we're Flyover country or, you know... I think about, I, I, a couple summers ago, went for a drive and ended up in what is now known as Northern Cambria. Okay. But used to be, when I'm back in my day, Barnesboro and Spangler. Okay. Among other things, I found an abandoned synagogue. Okay. In what used to be, I believe, Barnesboro. Mm-hmm. But there was an entire block of... Abandoned storefronts that were packed floor to ceiling that someone had gotten one of these old storefronts and I guess tried to make an antique shop and tried to make a go of an antiques business mm. and packed these 
storefronts, floor to ceiling, and of course now the entire the entire block of buildings is gone. Makes sense. Ooh, I don't think I've ever been to Barnesboro. You should Barnesboro and Spangler. Uh, I know roughly where they are. Yeah, it's it's two nineteen. Um, yeah. Just keep going north two nineteen. Past Blacklick, where yeah the abandoned coal mine is. Yes, so keep going. Um, yeah, there's this fascinating. There's a weird guitar shop that still exists mm-hmm. that existed there twenty five years ago with a very interesting owner. Um, the parking meters still take nickels. There are a few places like that around. Salzburg too. Yes. They, I literally I only have quarters in my car, and, and the, the 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 parking meters only uh, the biggest thing they take is a dime. I remember those too. Jeez. They still exist. They're still out there. You're basically reminding me that I don't think I, I I've done the two nineteen drive from Pittsburgh to Buffalo. But I've never photographed the 219 drive, yeah. which is Indiana to Buffalo, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, Blairsville, technically, yeah. is where you pick it up. But I have to I have to throw that into the, the You should. Things. You should because there's... The thing about 219 and the thing about that area, you know... And again, I think this part of me maybe feeling either sort of 90s nostalgic. I remember coming from New Jersey and, mm-hmm. and growing up in a place technically 20 minutes from Staten Island... Um, Johnstown was this other world, yeah, and it I, seemed like this like gateway to this past or this less moneyed historical place. And so when I went to St. Francis, it was just everywhere, and everywhere was the backdrop of a grunge video. Yes, like you could <laughs> see a 1940s pickup truck in people's yards still. Yes, you and you're in so where's you Alice in Chains and all of this? Like where are they? It, it, they it, should be here for this. It's a shame Pittsburgh never got grunged. <laughs> yeah, we would have been so good at it, the, the iconography, but... Um, we, we got hip 20 years too late. Yeah. 30, uh, yeah, 20 years too late. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Evansburg, Loretto, even Carrolltown, there's this sort of bubble of functionality, and, like, Evansburg actually has is nice and has newish architecture and has preserved their old architecture... And Loretto has the college, and that's functional. And if you can't afford either of those places, you live in Carrolltown, which is pretty functional. And somewhere just beyond that, that bubble pops. Yeah. And if you go up 219 past Carrolltown is when that becomes, when you realize, oh, wow, this is... Yeah, this is the, the abandoned, deindustrialized section of, of yes. the Rust Belt. Yes, Burnside. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you've you've given me an idea after I finish this drive to Missouri to do the the exhibit. Yeah. <laughs> I have to get there's an old abandoned diner that I actually made a collect phone call that changed my life. Ah. At that diner which no longer exists. But I mean the diner exists but it's been closed it's probably. Nice to know that everybody has at least in our generation that collect or that phone call. You yes. Know, the phone call that was like, "Yep." Yeah. Don't don't do that again, or or do yeah. that again. <laughs> yes, or this is what happened. Help me. Yeah. Yes. Phone call, and which I made that phone call there, and, and you know, my life was forever different. Well, was the answer to that phone call, but um, yeah, mm. there's also a house in Burnside that has its own Wikipedia page. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Road trip soon. Yes. I'll, I'll get there. I, I just 
went to Altoona a couple weeks ago and revisited Blairsville and uh, a couple other places. Yeah. I, I stopped in downtown Altoona, which there is n- almost nothing left of now. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's strange that there's a, a, a condominium or a high-rise on the end of town it is all apparently probably old old folk housing, uh, but there's nothing around it that anybody can walk to, you know. Like yeah. there's nothing open, so it's like this was a functionally good idea at one point in time, except that yeah. there is no way to get from point A to point B. There's not a grocery store. There's nothing here, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is also the other thing is part of the. That slipping away feeling is how awful new American architecture is. <laughs> the doctor's office art of America. The doctor's office oh. art of America. The the East Liberty high rises that just has that ugliest yeah. sin cladding on it. The gold the brick fake balconies. Yeah, the gold. on Route Ten, looking at the ocean just outside of fucking I forget what town in Alabama. It, it looks literally like a, a gold altar of a, a, of a Walmart. Wow. And it's 25 yards from the beach. <laughs> wow. I can't remember. I think it was Alabama. It was nearing Mobile, I think. Oh, God, that was a long time ago. This is the other side of these photos that helps. My photographic memory and those photos together, I can, I can figure out where I was and mm. everything else. I've lost... So much over the years, even taking notes. Uh, but I associate to places very easily. Should be obvious from the photography and the and the yeah. So it, it makes reality more real. I mean, it does. I mean, I also, you know, you saying about you saying about you know finding stuff as you mess with the photographs that you didn't know were in the mm-hmm. photographs yeah. and. Uh, I did, I moonlit, actually I taught at St. Francis last spring, part of the reason why there hasn't been a podcast episode in months, because yeah. I did, because I wanted to say at least I was on the faculty of my alma mater once. Nice. So I taught a poetry Congratulations. class. Thank you. I taught a poetry workshop at St. Francis, um, which itself was this time travel experience. Mm-hmm. I would turn a corner and... I would go to a bathroom that hadn't changed since been remodeled since 1996. <laughs> this is part of late middle or advancing middle, middle age. age. Right? Yeah, that you time travel. There's portals everywhere. And yeah. Like, oh, it's I, the 90s. As we're getting to to the second or the third third of life, you know, we, we've got the first third, <sighs> yeah. the second third is ending, and yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so I, I did this, but we had some visiting poets come mm-hmm. and and do a reading. And I asked questions about craft. Actually, it was interesting. They were both... Uh, one has uh, cerebral palsy. One is blind. Okay. So a husband and wife couple. Ona Ritz and Dan Simpson. And uh, I think they... my co- well, At least one of my colleagues at St. Francis was expecting me to really talk about their disabilities. Mm-hmm. And when they did the class visit, we just talked about craft. Which was... I think they found that refreshing. Yeah. Then the couple found that refreshing and then like sort of like, well, you probably brought this up, but how do you write if you're blind? I kind of thing. And he's like, actually, that didn't come up. We were talking about other things. And one of the things we talked about was this very simple question for my developing writers. When do you know when a poem's finished? 
Well, it's never finished, but you have a, a, an inkling. You have an inkling. And Ona said, and I thought this, I've been riffing, I've been thinking about this for a, a long time. She's like, I think one of my poems is finished when I realize I've discovered something. Yes. When I've worked on the poem enough that I've discovered something about what I'm writing about that I wouldn't have thought of on my own. Or I didn't know about it when I started writing it. Well, that's that's the Bob Dylan mentality, isn't it? You're, you're constantly messing with something and changing words and, you know, maybe around the hundredth time you read something, you know, or you see something, another idea of what you meant in there, yeah. you know, or a word changes and suddenly you're like, oh shit, I just, I thought this poem was done, but, you know, ten years later it's now, an, uh, it's different, you know. Yeah. But I think about that in terms of, like, you're thinking about the photography and, like, memory and, excuse me, how do you find within these places, within these things, within these images that you preserve. Yeah. And I could say, as again, as a reader, as a viewer, as a reader, is that fair? As a viewer, yeah, there's, there's a really profound emotional effect for me seeing them all together. Nice. Well, I, that was the intent. Yes. Uh, I, I, when I was approached by Osage Arts Community uh, to do the, this exhibit, uh, exhibition, it's a weird word to say when you're not used to saying it regularly. Yeah. Uh, and the book was going to be part of it. You know, like, I have a lot of photos of... of Various things, whether it be ghost signs or, you know, I dabble with nature photography. I dabble with, you know, various different geometry, uh, you know, the architecture of a place. All these things are interesting to me. But the one thing that stands out in all of that are the reflection photos. I don't see anybody else doing those. So that was immediately the lane to head towards. And then it's like, well, from here we can expand and show off some of these because I've taken a shit ton of photos in a very short period of time. <laughs> uh, but you also get subjects that aren't, you know, they're, they're still, you can do whatever you want with them to some extent. Uh, you're wandering through towns that there isn't anybody, so you're free to kind of, you know, just be, uh, you know, with the space and... and you know, look at it in as many different ways as you can, and sometimes you're, you get really surprised by it. So, especially when you find, you know, weird skeletons or <laughs> swamp monsters and windows and yeah. other such things, because there are a lot of mannequins and, and whatnot in these uh, photos. Yeah. Uh, other various, you know, stuffed bears, stuffed all sorts of other taxidermied animals popping up makes you wonder what the fuck anybody was thinking just leaving that behind you know uh yeah it's like are we just literally at the point where it's like yeah nobody's looking so we're just i'm gonna put this here and see if anybody notices yeah yeah So if folks want to see these these images, yes. What are their options? Well, there there is uh, always Instagram, which I'll um, have a link to on on yeah, our page. Yeah, Cheever Loophole, because most of my uh, online names are Marx Brothers or Groucho Marx oriented. <laughs> um, the book Lazarus will be out 
uh, hopefully on the 9th when the gallery show opens in uh, Bell, Missouri. The show will run uh, at the Art Gallery in Bell, which is, I think, mostly by appointment. I think they have open hours on Saturdays, if you happen to be in that area. Um, but the, the show will run through November when we do the closing reception. Uh, by then, I know the book will be there. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, and there will soon be a website, but I don't have that information together yet because there's been a lot of work in the last month, uh, and I've had to learn a bunch of new skills, uh, and uh, I have to thank my friend Paulette, who's been very helpful in all this. She's done some gallery work before, and she's saved my ass from a lot of dead ends uh, when there wasn't a lot of time, because I did not have as much time to put this together, maybe, as I, I would have liked to. Mm. The The initial offer was supposed to be April of next year, uh, and they had a cancellation in September, so I got bumped to September. Mm. Uh, so, like, almost six months ahead of, of oh, wow. what was being thought of. Uh, and then there's been other stuff, obviously, happening with publishers and, you know, <laughs> advancing age and all sorts of other issues that, yes. that have made this uh, uh, a very uh, odd road to hoe over the last few months. So, yeah. Um, but if you drive from here to Bell, Missouri, at any given time, you can take that book with you. <laughs> And find places. <laughs> and you can find the towns. It's a package tour. Exactly. You know, if you happen to do that, and uh, I, uh, I'm very happy to have a few uh, Bell photos, photos from that town. And the town is only a thousand people, so it's not even a, a large town. It's that this arts community exists there uh, that makes it a, an oasis in what is. Um, a very isolated and rural section of Missouri otherwise um, but I, I made sure to incorporate several photos from that town into the uh, exhibit as well I was talking to the guy that runs the, the uh, community, Mark McLean and he was saying most of the business that they do is tours of, of high school students from the area and I thought well wouldn't that be fucking great to be 17 or 18 years old and you see your own town, you know, in an exhibit of what is art? Yes. You know, because we don't think of the places that we live, especially when they're thousand-person towns in the middle of fucking nowhere, Missouri, yes. as art. Um, there also be a postcard set of Bell Photos. Cool. Uh, you know, to go with that, so excellent. Yeah, I, I tried to make sure you know <laughs> everybody was included in some way. So, yes. Well, all right. So since you've been on this episode, oh shit, we're gonna do so this many five. times. The bottom five, yeah, a series of questions not related to our main topic that are of a surrealistic and or philosophical nature. All right, all right. And so 
Where I thought we? of one. Oh, you thought, what's, you, what's yours? What's mine? See, you've done it, we've done this so many times, I, folks. There's a pool of questions that I borrow from you. I've used them the all. podcast before. You've had, you've gotten them all. You've gotten them all more than <laughs> once, in fact. And I've, you've been on this episode, on this podcast, I should say, so many episodes. Uh, I'm not going to listen to all of them, you know. I'm not going to go listen to my own voice and be like, oh, wait, I asked him that one, and he said, he asked him that one. So we're we're making new ones up, maybe on the fly. Yeah, we might, and we'll see what happens. And so this one that just occurred to me a moment ago, if we can get the five, you have two. I, I, I have I one now, have so we have a bottom three at least. My first bottom five question is: What is a text or work of art that you wish you had made. Actually, it's a two-parter. This is going to count for two. I'm going to do this as a two-parter. One work of art or or book or something you wish you could have created out of just sheer admiration or envy. What is one that you would just... I just wish I had done that because it's so good. Okay. And one out of ego because I could have done it better. <laughs> That's question one and two. All right, all right. Uh, I think one of my favorite paintings um, is in the Cleveland Museum of Art, Staggett Sharkies, a famous uh, boxing painting. Mm. Um, and there's just so much going on in the painting. Much like some of my photographs. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to sound like an asshole saying things like that. <laughs> uh Sorry, imposter syndrome always sneaks its way in no matter what. Um, but um, yeah, that that painting to me does so many things well. It's one of those paintings that within two feet of it, you can smell the ring and the arena and everything else. It, it's just, it's fucking everything, you know. Uh, so that's one of my favorite paintings. Um, so that, uh, as for something I could have done better, shit, that might take me a second. Here, I'll ask you a question while I think about it. Okay, so question three. In the age of global warming, okay, what would be your preferred method of weather to perish at? Ooh, prefer. Um, I think freezing to death. Oh, you, you. Okay. okay. I do have a poem called Hope, where I talk about <laughs> if the sun were to burn out, what it would be like to for me and Danelle and the the dogs to freeze to death. I, in I bed suppose together. that is very peaceful because you just sort of go to sleep and yeah. you're, you're done with it. There's no, um, yeah. I feel like avalanche might be very nice for that too. Just like oh here and oh there we go. As long as it's quick, yeah. As long as you're crushed, <laughs> trapped, trapped is bad. Would be bad, but I guess they say, and this is why you know you're supposed to when you go skiing have like gum in your mouth because it works sort of <laughs> like an altimeter. You know which way's up. Okay. Because what will happen actually in some snowfall avalanches is that once the snow stops moving. Mm -hmm. You have, I think it's something like in some cases, ten to fifteen seconds before the snow repacks, and okay. if the snow repacks, it can get as hard as concrete. And so, <laughs> if you, Christ. and so, oftentimes when people die in avalanches, like their feet are visible, 
their hands are visible, mm-hmm. but they just like, oh, I was in an avalanche. That's and then they get crushed. Yeah, which and way is so, up? Oh. Which way is up? And then if you don't know what way is up, and the thing, and then you just get squished. Um, but yeah, I, you know. So, but you could then what, you get trapped in a crevasse, and then you just gotta wait for the oxygen to run out. I don't know, but oh, but if you're crushed in an avalanche, that's mm. cool, you know. But I think so, freezing to death. Gotcha. Hmm. Polar vortex or sun extinguishing eternal darkness freezing to death is where I'm at. I, I, I'm getting pretty excited for uh, methane gas uh, explosion. <laughs> uh, you know, they're, they're, they're under the ice caps, there is a huge amount of methane gas. Yeah. That once they unfreeze, will uh, yeah poison us all very quickly. Yeah. Hmm. This did not help me figure out. What, what work of art I could revise? Got a question? Got another question for me then? <laughs> question four, and then maybe I'll try to think of question five. The the, the only and I'm gonna word this accurately because I I never did quite figure out the wording of this. But another apocalyptic question because we're we're very much in the apocalypse, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, in 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 various different ways. Um, if Someone bestowed upon you the gift to be able to end the world with listening to one record. What would it be? What record to end the world? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> so are we talking like the the just the the disruptive sonic? Nature of the record would be just you know. This is what we're going out on. This is this is you know. Okay, so it's sort of like world. What's the last? You know. Oh, so it's sort of like that way we can look at it. Well, you know the you know about the uh, Douglas Copeland wrote about this, and it's actually it is you can find this on YouTube. Mm -hmm. The CNN sign off. Okay. Did you know this? I don't know. Ted Turner got like the Navy band to come to his Atlanta mansion. Okay. Oh and got the Navy band in like his front yard in his driveway to stand in his driveway and play Nearer My God to Thee. <laughs> and it was supposed to be, and this was in the 80s, and it was supposed to be like the tape that was if the world is going to end, what's the last thing on CNN before, before it goes off the air because the world has ended or is eminent? And it was supposed to be the Navy band playing Near My God to Thee. Nice. I like it. Maybe that's the answer to what I could revise and, and make a better form of art. The movie Red Dawn. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> Turn it from innocuous propaganda film to something else. I'm not sure what. Yeah! Yeah, I'm just I'm just spitballing here. That had lost potential, but okay. The record I'd want the world to go out on. Yeah, because it's probably not like the best record of all time. It's either got to be something fun or yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah, what do I want? Like I said, I was still thinking about this. I I, I didn't. I wasn't able See, to. See, we stumped the, each other. This yeah. sucks. Yeah, you I still did. owe me. Well, no, you just gave the answer to question two. Well, I, I had and joked that, that, that we would each try two and a half questions. So. Two and a half. Yeah. So this is two. Wow. I. 
You know, I got to think out loud here for a minute because it's also this question of how you think about humanity. Like, do you want like a summit experience? Yeah. Do you want a last sort of fuck you experience? That's a question. Do I want... You know, like today I was listening to, to the, the Smithsonian Folkway Sounds of North American Frogs and I was just so entertained by not only the narration, you know, explaining all these frog calls, uh, but the frog sounds themselves because the you know, this man was very abrupt and very interested. He was of that marrow. Oh, wow. Uh, you know. Okay, I think... And to me, I, I, that might actually be kind of soothing. You know? <laughs> a couple of spring peepers and some... Uh, you know what? As, <laughs> as we talk about the final third and approaching the final third, yeah. I'm going to go soft. I'm going to go warm, fuzzy, nostalgic for me that it was a time that at least I'd go out with a pleasant memory of a time where I felt... Like my life was possible, mm -hmm. and the soundtrack to that era inevitably was Pixies Doolittle. All right, I would listen to Pixies Doolittle. I would think about the time I finally got Mr. Greaves and almost crashed my car. <laughs> like that was that weird song that was buried in that record, and I never got it. And just one day it clicked, and I just about missed a turn on a windy mountain road. Near Loretto. Oh, um, I remember those days of driving to, to, to the music that you loved and just being like so into the music that you were fucking not paying any attention to the roads. Yeah. <laughs> and every now and again, it was like, oh, shit, I got to drive. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, and I think that was every every college party at some point, Doolittle came on. And I think, you know, I could be disruptive. I could be like, no, this is art and you got to see it. Not that it's not. But I think I, if I wanted a soundtrack to everything going away, I'd at least want some nice memories. And so it would be Pixies Doolittle. That's fair. Personally, I think it's Wichita Lineman. Mmm. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one, too. Particularly, there, there was a moment... And I've maybe I've even told, said this to you before, but um, it was the aughts, sometime in the early aughts, that I remember seeing some celebrity golf tournament, and Glenn Campbell was shooting, he was putting. Shooting is not the word you use for yes, golf. No. Putting would be the word you use yes. for golf. And uh, Bill Murray was on the the, the this tour as well. And while Glenn Campbell was trying to putt, Bill Murray was running around Glenn Campbell, screaming the words to Wichita Lyman and then flopping on the green. Uh, and it was amazing. And I've never been able to find proof that this moment existed. Wow. <laughs> Again, I've seen it. I know I see it. I have a memory of it. I, I, I cannot find it. Anywhere in the digital archive of the world, I don't. Maybe I haven't tried hard enough, but they, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> and I've thought about abusing this power. <laughs> Do you know what network it was on? It had to be one of the the the, the big three, probably. It was like a late night celebrity pro am. Because if you can find it on the find out, because you know, I've thought about one of the things that I want to see before I die. Mm -hmm. 
So we're going to see the day the clown cried. <laughs> oh, God. That's how... <laughs> Jerry Lee. <laughs> I have a friend, a stand-up comic friend, who literally has a countdown clock <laughs> to when that's eligible to be seen. Okay. What I want to see, and I've thought about using my power as a university, abusing my power as a university professor, <laughs> and saying this is for a research project. Can I have a look at your archives? <laughs> I want to know if there is still in existence an original cut of Smokey and the Bandit 3. Oh, what was the the original cut? So the original cut of Smokey and the Bandit 3 was Smokey and the Bandit 3, Smokey is the Bandit. Okay. And Jackie Gleason played both roles. I vaguely... I I only... I'm pretty sure I saw 3 multiple times as a child. Yes, Uh, as did I. I got the three pack sometime in the odds because Smokey and the Bandit is an amazing movie. Yes. Uh, I built a drinking game around it, among other things. Uh, but they're so terrible. Yes. Thereafter. Uh, I, two was bad, but three I don't even think I could finish. Well, so yeah, so the original cut, they had this plot that, you know, it was the Smokey and the Bandit movie. It's just sometimes Jackie Gleason was wearing a red shirt and jeans doing the Jackie Gleason persona. Okay. Not really playing Bandit. And then he was Buford T. Justice in the brown uniform. Okay. And the test screened. There is a picture, Dan Bell, actually, of all people. I tweeted at Dan Bell about this once, and he tweeted back at me a promo picture of Jackie Gleason dressed up as Bandit. Um... Test audiences could not understand what was happening. What was happening because it was one guy in two different sets of clothes playing the same character. But that movie ends with Jackie Gleason playing like twenty-five characters because yes. he's every nationality of lawman <laughs> chasing yeah. the bandit. Chasing the bandit. So what happened was they test screened that and they were like, fuck, what do we do? And so they reshot all those scenes with the snowman. Okay. To tr- to then so they took so all of those scenes of Jackie Gleason in the black Trans Am became Jerry Reed. Became Jerry Reed. So you had to reshoot all of that. So they had something that theatrically release. This makes sense. I walked past a pile of records that were topped with uh, multiple copies of Smoking and the Bandit Three today. Yes. At work. So and, I want to write. I think that was a Warner picture. Yes. At some point, I want to write the Warner archives and say I am a professor and I am doing a research. <laughs> I, I need to at least have a book out. I'm working on. I'm really close to a book deal at the time <laughs> being, which is the other reason why we haven't had a podcast in four fucking ever. People, relax. If you're annoyed that this doesn't happen as much, yeah. I'm chasing a book deal. But once I was like, I'm a published author and I've done this. I, I think, and I'm a university professor. Like, those two things of legitimacy could possibly get me in the Warner archives. And maybe, who knows, maybe that could get me in, like, the ABC Sports archives. Do, do you remember that? You know? Yeah. And to find those tapes. Sounds great. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I can't fucking remember what network it was. It was... I, I, even, I, I Honestly, I, I maybe I dreamed it. Who the fuck knows, you know? Maybe... maybe well, we can... Uh, give me a little bit more time. We can find this out. I want to actually get into now the Mr. Rogers archives because I've done the Mr. Rogers conference. Uh, I want to watch his failed adult TV series. 
Ah, I didn't know there was one. Yes, he briefly did. When he was tired of the neighborhood, he did a Mr. Rogers and Grown Ups movie called Neighbors, I think it was called. Not Neighbors. Not, it was a TV series. I think it was called Neighbors. It was something it was called. Okay. But it lasted half of a season because, like, who could do, like, Mr. Rogers and then talking to, like, 40-year-old divorced alcoholics about their lives. Like, it wasn't going to work. But I desperately want to see that I have an idea, a legitimate academic idea for that. Um, but, yeah, I want to see Smoking the Man at 3, original cut. Because you think about it also, so that would have been, what, the film crew, the execs, the text, the test screeners. Mm-hmm. Is that a thousand human beings that ever, at tops? That maybe have seen it? Yeah. I feel like it's got to be out there somewhere. I think it's got to exist in a vault. There has to be a print somewhere. Jackie Gleason's estate is standing on the neck of it, so it never comes out. <laughs> Either that or Jerry Reed. <sighs> well, I think that Jackie, Jerry, and Bert are all dead. They are all gone. It's. It, I don't know. That Jackie didn't last much longer after the third. No, he didn't. No, he had that heart attack pretty. Yeah. Pretty soon after. But Jesus, he's wonderful in the first movie. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And on that note, I think that's finally about it. Unless you want me to tell you the the rubber dolly and uh, Mister Rogers story, but <laughs> oh, I know that story. You know that Everybody story. knows that story. All right, never mind. That's about it. Our ep- next episode will eventually happen. I mean, it's going to happen eventually. Then one oh one oh nine is going to happen. I, I'll put on another book. I, I yeah, promise. absolutely. It'll be about something. And there's a couple other people I can ask. I just, you know, <laughs> you ask people and then they sort of don't want to say no. And they're like, and then it just becomes this thing where I like put it off, put it off. Okay, because I, the next episode is going to be this person. Instead of me thinking like I should be pursuing four people at once and one of those people will do it. Yeah. And then find another person to pursue. <laughs> um, it's always tricky. And, and I just get worn out. And I'm chasing a book deal, people. And I'm running a writing program. So our next episode, it's going to happen. It'll be about something, okay? <laughs> don't ask me when. Don't ask me what. Our homepage where you can find new old episodes is going to diepodcast.com. Oh, man. I wonder if our RSS feed is still good for Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audible, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, and Mixcloud. I think one of those services has gone under anyway. I forget which one. Follow us on. No, don't follow us on on the app that used to be called Twitter. I'm just letting that die. We're all gonna die is on Facebook, which also sucks. It's, I don't know. It's all the do you do an Instagram media. for a podcast? And if so, what? Do you do selfies with the people? I don't want to do that shit. I don't know. <laughs> Special thanks to Andrew Fox for our lovely theme music. And thank you to our guest, Jason Baldinger, as always. It's me. Later, meets. Thanks, Matt. Bye.